Welcome to Dear Legal Ops, the podcast tackling tough topics impacting today's evolving legal operations profession anonymously. This podcast is made for and by the Legal Ops community. We will hear trailblazing tales and lessons learned from seasoned professionals, change makers, and community champions. Join us as we go on a journey of delightful insights and enthusiastic ideas that will inspire you to find your inner brilliance personally and professionally. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Dear Legal Ops. I'm your co-host, Tom Stevenson. A New York powerhouse, Yesenia Santiago. Y'all, she's up in the DLO studio today. Yesenia is a seasoned legal ops professional with over 15 years of experience. And her stops along the way, industries like biolife sciences, she's been in media and entertainment, to financial services. And that unique journey also includes a little research we've done, eligibility for the New York State Bar Exam, and a joint law and library science degree. So Tommy and I are super excited for today's episode. It's going to be brimming with rich insights and unique approaches. And we're both the first to lift up our New York sister in the house of DLO for her impact as a leader who has both effectively navigated major mergers and tumultuous times, yet come out on top to be able to offer guidance, mentorship, and other things for the legal operations profession as part of her tenured yet illustrious career. In today's episode, we're headed out to the DLO mailbox and opening a letter from Sandy, a self-described somewhat strategic thinker from Seattle. While facing the complexities of being a pivotal part of her legal team, mom is at a crossroads, striving to enhance her role while aligning with her team's needs and expectations. This is a situation many professionals, not just in legal ops, but also the DLO doers and divas, trying to climb the corporate career ladder can all relate to. So yeah, we're eager to dissect this with practical solutions and some visionary advice. So prepare for a journey of strategic insights as we navigate the intricacies of in-house, department dynamics, and leadership learnings as Yesenia shares her perspectives from why money is what talks to how to get into the table all the way and be a visionary for partnerships and future collaborations. Today's episode, yes, 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 another one on empowering roles within the legal framework, enhancing team dynamics, and finally, mastering that art of legal team transformation. So y'all ready? Let's do this. But first, grab that glass and get comfy as we dig deeper into Dear Legal Ops. Our letter today comes from Sandy, a somewhat strategic thinker in Seattle. Our listener writes, Dear Legal Ops, as 2024 is already underway, the planning, goal setting, and all those innovative ideas are in full force, but I find myself stuck with a problem that carries over from 2023. My general counsel proclaims I'm the chief operating officer of the legal team. She knows I'm capable of spinning all the plates and solving all the things. But here's my dilemma. I have a seat at the table, sometimes, and I'm empowered to affect change, somewhat. What steps can I take to address the knowledge gap, advocate for more empowerment, and 
then use that information to standardize OKRs to better align my efforts with the team's needs and expectations. Me and the rest of the somewhat strategic squad are eagerly awaiting your guidance on how to execute like a true chief operating officer of the legal department. Oh boy, Sandy, a strategic thinker from Seattle. Tommy, how is your New Year's Eve? I hope that you had a good time in New York. I hopped on a plane on New Year's <gasps> Eve and went to sunny Florida. So everything was great. Took the took the fam down to see more of the fam. And here we are in 2024. And I'm back in New York. Ah, uh, yes. Not only 2024, back in New York, but we have a New York guest as well, Yesenia. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are y'all doing? Good. Brought another New Yorker in with me. I love it. I love it. It's a New York state of mind here in the DLO studio today, actually. That could Mm -hmm. be a little fun, interesting Mm -hmm. concept. Yesenia, tell us, how were your holidays? Did you have a good holiday? I sure did. And I have not laid down my party hat yet. So... Uh, you know how we get down. We are always Ooh. keeping the lights <laughs> on in New York and we're ready yes. to go right into 2024 uh, with all oh. the excitement and panache that we usually carry. I love it. Oh, I love it. Here we are and we are helping Sandy out, right? So, Sandy, I know that a lot of your background is in coming into an organization building and doing an assessment of the maturity model of where the where the operational you know landscape is then making strategic recommendations on how you get that department and legal operations function to that next level I know you've done a lot of work in that place so we called you in because we thought a letter about how to be that COO of the legal team what a perfect match this is for you so give us a little bit of an idea. Like what what do we do to tell Sandy, hey, you've been tagged as the COO of the legal department. You're kind of not always having a seat at the table. You want to make sure you have one so you really can execute strategically for your GC. Where does Sandy start? She takes a deep breath and accepts, <laughs> accepts the privilege actually, right, of... Sitting at the table. What is it? Accept, accept the things you cannot change. Right. Uh-huh. Start saying the serenity uh-huh. prayer now. Good job, Tom. So honestly, it is a privilege to sit at any table. And I know that often in our roles, we don't feel like we're always present or we always have that seat available. Or sometimes we we are spoken over. But it is great that Sandy has been valued and, and does have that, that privilege of sitting at the table. So I would say take a deep breath and... Remember your worth and remember where you are. Then I would move on to say it's it's sort of a discipline, right? Even as we start out the new year, we're all about goal setting, we're, you know, professionally, personally. And we want to do that in our own day-to-day work streams, right? So it takes a little bit of, of discipline to take inventory of the previous year, right? See where you went off course on 2023 and then start to really use your noggin about, hey, how can I amplify uh, what I did do in 2023 and where did I, you know, sort of the ball, you know, got shifted or had to move to a different court, so to speak. And what I mean by that, uh, and in conjunction with doing a maturity assessment is, I don't think most of us start there. I, I think all of the fantastic folks that I've ever met within this profession, we just have a gut instinct for 
what feels right and what we should do and how we should proceed. And I think we're all strategic thinkers. So I don't think that's a label that applies to us outside of our role. I think it's just something that is innate to the way that we function. And people are seeing that. And that's why legal ops is booming, right? As a profession, as a category. And so I would suggest to Sandy, start with an assessment, an inward assessment of the things that uh, you could redo or do better uh, as a result of last year. And then, hey, how, how am I matching up with what the GC wants to do, where the senior leadership team wants to go, and of course, how they filter into the enterprise goals? So that's where I would start, because if you match up your goals, you're going to have a seat because you will have a voice. Uh, they want to know that you're hearing what they're doing and, and keep in pace with that. Oh, I see. I see what both of you did here, right? Y'all are New Yorkers at heart, right? You guys get straight on the J train we and really you go, we and you went. literally are like, "All right, here's what we do. We're done. Like, here's the map. I'll see you at four fifteen, right? Like, we're right. out of here." But I'm a, I'm gonna stop and pause and say, okay, I actually think I want to circle back because I, I want to know what do you do when you're at like that chief of staff role and when you're at the true executive leadership because I think Sandy may be somewhat of that, even though she only calls herself a strategic thinker sometimes. If we were to back it up all the way, and what I think I I resonated with, I've heard before, and I've tried to work with people that I have, you know, had on my team or mentored before is I have a seat at the table sometimes and I'm empowered to affect change somewhat. Like what a powerful, what a powerful statement first in a letter, but how do you go all the way back to, I'm like hokey pokey, right? Like one foot in, one foot out, and then understanding how I can utilize that or level that up to get to a place that allows you to be the strategic right hand of a general counsel, CLO, or whatever the executive's title would be. So I'm going to start with the first piece of what you just said in regards to a chief of staff. And there's a lot of interplay, a lot of synergy between those two roles. I view the chief of staff more as I'm really taking care of the GC from top to bottom. To me, it equates from, or, or rather as being more of a, what do you need no matter what it is, I'm going to do it. Operations is a bit more tailored to that. And I I feel like it's different if you're at a startup or if you're at a a much more sophisticated or mature institution, those two roles will be separate. But a lot of times we don't all start there. And to be quite honest, there is a lot of bleeding between those. And I don't mean bleeding in a bad way. I mean bleeding in a good way. Yeah. I mean, it's the cross-functional collaboration, right? You're always kind of one foot in of I'm tactically maybe doing everything from accruals to invoices to legal billing, right? But then at the same time, I'm in these highest executive strategic planning sessions when we're thinking about headcount and future growth and when it's tied to like product or sales revenue. Sorry, like that I think, I know sometimes people say the, the bleed may not be good, but I think sometimes the bleed gives you visibility into how granular the details are to help kind of bake it to a position to give you that strategic advice. Agreed. And I would, I would even go further to say that sitting at the table is much like having a conversation where you want to be part of that conversation. So let's just pretend we're sitting at a table at a restaurant with friends uh, or maybe not so close friends, but people are always interested in what applies to them, right? So when I was saying let's align goals from top to bottom, bottom to top, 
you're you're going to be speaking the same language as whoever's sitting at that table, CFO, you know, HR, the, the IT folks, the folks we usually collaborate. So if we understand what they're looking to accomplish in this next year. We're going to have a bigger bit at the chomp in terms of the conversation because they know that you're catering to them. And we can't always cater to everything that they want. But it's just like a conversation, right? Like either you're sitting at a table and and like having an off conversation and not talking about anything that those people are talking about. So they're going to leave you out of it. Um, and strategy is a lot like that. If you're talking the same language in terms of goals and uh, metrics, things that you are aligned with on an enterprise level, on a functional level, you're going to get a lot more traction. So speaking of alignment, in order to get that alignment, you all have to agree on what your language is and what what data you're looking at and what is important and what's not important, right? So, So alignment is a great place to start. And you mentioned a few times the maturity assessment. Now, obviously, Tom and I are nodding our heads like we know what that means. Like, and I think probably all of us have used clocks, right? Like, there's there's a maturity wheel, and I maybe I should speak for myself. I've certainly used clocks maturity wheel and have taken it to do assessments, and I think you have as well. Can you dig in a little? What is the wheel? And and let's tell let's tell Sandy because there might be new Sandys coming into the field that don't know what that is. So let's actually tell those listeners, what is that maturity assessment? And the reason why we want to use something that's a common language, that is something that we can all agree on, is that it gives you a, a way to speak in, in a way that everyone's aligned. So it gives you that common language. So, so take us through, like, what is the assessment and why, why is that wheel important? Sure. Yeah. Th- thank you for bringing me back to basics. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I think we just get so caught up in our own, you know, we know what this is. Sometimes we're going back to December all the time, you know. <laughs> it wouldn't be 2024 if we didn't start with Taylor. Right? Well, so. we're starting from the bottom. Now we're here. So, let's, Ooh, so, let's, wow. so, so we start, words, we start from the beginning. We start from the beginning. And like, let's, you know, let's let's give our, our legal ops listener who maybe only has a couple of days in this. Let's tell them what we're talking about. Yes, agreed. Okay, so starting from 101, you know, clock, pun intended, uh, we have a clock <laughs> wheel and our clock wheel is very colorful. And so we start going around the colors and the rainbows and we have 12 competencies in clock and much of them relate to the pillars that we have uh, realized in legal ops functions across the board. Now, that doesn't mean that they're completely standard across every organization. It has to be catered to your specific industry, the size and magnitude of your department and the goals that you have for for your department to accomplish. But within those 12 competencies, you have various things that you may be focused on, right? Depending on where your journey takes you or where you are uh, in terms of that journey. So For most organizations, especially in-house legal departments, we start at finance because we understand, even though we see our value is not primarily a cost center, but enabling the business and a protector, uh, most of the company may not see us that way. They see us as a a cost center where we cost the enterprise money or the company money. But our true value from an operationals perspective in that regard can come to prove metrics by way of, of KPRs, uh, you know, whatever data and analysis you can do, um, not only from a process perspective, but a technology perspective, and how that can lend into your billing practices. And 
there are a lot of aspects of collaboration, even in that one competency, which is where most of us start, right? In the outside counsel, financial management realm of making sure that we're we're tying in those dollars to our savings, right? So, <laughs> okay, right. so I, I am not the only person because I I do think my unicorn skill set within the in-house profession itself is the financial acumen and the understanding of not just budgetary, you know, terms or understanding accrual or checking the box of those things, but right, understanding how dollars tie to strategy and how strategy ties to value and being able to connect those dots, I think is a skill set. So when you say you start with the financial portion, how would one go? Because I think this is where we tie it to the letter of how does, how do you be hokey pokey, one foot in, one foot out? Is it understanding it closer to the dollars? And if so, how are you getting closer then to the GC or CLO? Right. So I would say you can tie in financial management or vendor management because they're two separate value streams within. Um, that big value stream of finance, right? So you could be doing the accruals, the budgeting, making sure the the tech dollars, you know, all the innovation costs that your department has are in one bucket. And that's the value that we have internally to make the pitch for, hey, we need this, I don't know, I'm going to say CLM, right? Because that's the most prevalent conversation we have of how we can uh, really get an enterprise oh, perspective. The only on board. conversation we ever have, right? I, I don't know because AI is taking over. <laughs> I mean, ooh, ooh, will you come? Will you come back and dig deeper to that one and play a little fun devil's advocate? Eleven with months us, later, yes. I want to do Ms. the Jess. eleven month later, and we're gonna go. We don't even what what CLM now. We're just. AI, Gen AI, Gen AI. <laughs> that, that's it's definitely going to be subservious in every conversation we have, AI. It really is. And CLM is still dominating the combo scene because, look, it is. it has a big bang buck, not just for the department and the GC, but also for the enterprise. And so when you're talking about sitting at the table, one foot out and one, you know, one foot in, it's really how do I elevate the conversation though so that it matters to the CFO? Because honestly, they're only looking at it from how much is this tool going to cost me? Is it going to co- come out of my uh, operating budget instead of your personal legal department budget? Show me the value of that. And, uh, you know, it, it comes down to making sure that we tell the story. And oftentimes, legal ops is in charge of that. Help us tell the story, legal ops uh, or the legal department, GC. Uh, of how this is going to produce value for the company. How are we going to save money by purchasing this tool? Thinking about it from that perspective, you could also think about financial management from an HR perspective. You know, how do we shift to a service of excellence uh, model, a center of excellence model, service center for Paris or any other area where, for example, I did it in rights management. I don't know a thing about rights management until I got there. (laughs) But you figure it out and you still, you can show the value in that. Like, how do we move our resources around from a human capital perspective to, hey, we we can uh, switch, you know, resources to an international uh, plane, you know, things like that. So many different ways to play that card. But going back to the clock maturity wheel, there there are some shifts happening within clock in terms of there, there's a new ebook coming out and the standards are being refined. And so that's really helpful for us to kind of just get a pulse on, hey, where are where is my department at and what can I focus on? And it gives you the basic levels of like, 
gauging where you are in your journey. So if you've never had a CLM, clearly that tech tool structure for you at that point, you're foundational, right? You just want to start with process. Yeah. This episode is made possible by our sponsor, Legal.io. Legal.io is the fastest growing community and marketplace for legal talent. Legal.io connects legal professionals to resources and opportunities at the world's leading in-house departments and firms. Legal.io is the launchpad for legal careers, matching legal ops professionals, attorneys, paralegals, and so many other legal professionals at some of the world's most exciting companies with a level of precision that only a data-driven, vertical-specific marketplace can provide. Supported by significant investors like Tiger Global, Legal.io is redefining the legal workspace. If you want to learn about the enterprise marketplace solution for legal talent, access salary surveys with compensation data as unique as you, and join their vibrant in-house legal community, visit www.legal.io. That's L-E-G-A-L dot I-O. Legal.io your gateway to a global legal talent marketplace designed with the legal operations community in mind. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. I love that Clock's coming out with a new ebook and even Clock itself iterates on its own definitions, which shows that the evolution of what it puts out is not afraid to iterate. Like much respect to that because we're all out here evolving and thank you for our organization that we're all members of and learning from and growing from that they're iterating too. So much respect. So I think what what I hear and what Sandy can take is that when you start to look at where you are and judging your maturity assessment, one of the next steps beyond just looking at sort of finances and financial planning and and looking at where you're putting your money because we all look, we all know you can take that money and you can repurpose it, right? And an elephant in the room. Like I can take my outside council dollars and I could go, I'm going to throw that into an ALSP because there's, uh, you know, the, the, the money for an hourly rate is much, much less. I'm going to repurpose the dollars that I'm saving there if I'm not going to outside council for everything, right? So there's so many strategic ways that you can, that you can repurpose the money. But resource allocation, and the reason why resource allocation really ties into Sandy's like somewhat strategy question is when you're looking at the landscape of what everyone does in the department, if you find that you don't have the right people doing the right things at the right time, you could be wasting, you could be wasting like a perfectly good litigator on doing, you know, IP passes, right? And if you and if you sort of sit there and you go, wait, 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 who's doing what and why are they doing it? And you and you get really crisp on that. 
But again, to the point that Sandy had, you really have to have a seat at the table because you need when you present to your GC, okay, here's my proposal. Here's how we reallocate the resources. Maybe we take 20% out of outside counsel. Maybe we put that into an alternative provider. Maybe we repurpose some dollars, hire some, some heads to come in and start doing what we're not doing right now. We have some risk in this area. We have some people in this area who are doing work that they are far underqualified or far overqualified to do. Let's divvy this up. And then if you present that to the GC and the GC is totally aligned, you're going places. But if you present it out to your group and they don't see the GC sort of nodding her head, they'll be like, no, I'm good. I'm good. We're, we're cool. We're good. Right. So you really need that sense of buy-in from, from your GC to empower you to be like, here's the resource allocation. Here's how we do this. And then when you have everyone in on it, then strategically, I think you can go. But you have to have that empowerment. You have to have a sponsor, someone in the executive level who has your back. 100% agreed. And, And I think it helps to have an example of that already. I try to get ahead of the the strategy conversation by saying, here's what I did and here's the play. And this is how much money we saved just by my one kind of like, let me get ahead and do a sandbox. That's not the right term, but you know what I mean? Like have a win before you even have the strategy discussion to show them that it can work. We just have to scale up um, so that it's more of like, I've already done it, not just take a chance on me. I'm going to prove to you that it works. Discussion. Having a win is essential because you get people to trust you. And a lot of what you need to do is um, it requires their trust. So having a win out the gate, you can't go wrong. And, and how are you incorporating that into your strategy? Is Sandy actually understanding to both points, right? Is she in the financial piece? Does she understand where the money is, what the value is, where it is going, and how that value is aligning with the strategic goals of the legal department to be able to move initiatives forward? And as your point, you know, I I think one thing I want people to take away from this episode is it's all about understanding the business, the need, the value, like diving into it, like diving, diving deep into it, right? And I think when you get to that resourcing part, it's it's not always black and white, right? Matching appropriate resourcings, it's like fitting a piece in a puzzle, you know? You have to be able to have the right challenges at the right time, whether you're scaling up at 2x, right, because of your initiatives, or maybe scaling back because of an industry or an economic reason. And being able to quickly adapt to those workloads, it requires that legal teams are actually equipped with the right people on their team. And I noticed when I was able to do cost savings from, you know, reviewing billing guidelines or, you know, pushing back on rate negotiations or any of those things, I would initially make sure to collect all those cookies, right? And then every month, give an update to my leadership team of this is how much we have saved through the being able to X, Y, or Z that are in line with industry standards or what are already supposed to be enforced at our company. But the plus to it that I think Tommy really brought up is how can then you also then come to the table with this is what I saved out the gate and here's how those savings can further drive more or more value or optimization. And for me, it was, yeah, being able to say, hey, I'm not paying $1,000 an hour anymore, right, for a lawyer to be able to do some policy memo, right, or to be able to have us get our CLM up within six months, right? I'd rather repurpose that and get 
you know, somebody for a six-month ALSP assignment or something. And, and that, I think, is where you go from both revenue protector to just being able to really allow legal to have a bigger seat at the table. And that's, that's all about what strategic optimization is. Agreed. Agreed. I also would say, um, you know, sometimes we say seat at the table, but we may miss that middle layer of help. So there will be times, I'll say by example, I would go to members of the SLT. I don't know, for example, we had a head of regulatory and she needed to change the retainer or at least figure out how she can gain a head internally. And so there was some work that she and I did before we both went to the GC and presented this option. Needless to say, it was an option that saved a lot of money and the GC ended up using the retainer for completely other things that were not on our, our scope. But she, she was so happy that we found the savings and she was able to repurpose it for a critical need that just came out of nowhere. And so because we had already done the groundwork, we were able to move very quickly. But that was a side conversation that I had extended myself to that particular SLT member and said, hey, I kind of noticed from, you know, from the retainer that just going to say like a paralegal is being used rather than a junior associate and was only about $300 difference. That can save you a lot of money. We have a paralegal internally or we can bring in. So why are we spending this much money from a retainer on this, uh, on this role as a paralegal? So we're able to reshift it with the firm. And I think that still equates to value, even though we didn't stop paying the retainer, but we, we shifted the context of the retainer and that still equals value. So, my, my takeaways there are look for other members of the SLT or other critical members like compliance that you could learn from. For example, I'd never done a risk assessment or walked through that journey. And it's pretty complicated to do that for a company, especially in the booming business of AI with media and entertainment, just referring to my last role. And walking through that journey with the compliance, the head of compliance was like eye-opening for me. And I learned so much. So align yourself with specific SLT members, either from a, a position of I want to learn or how can I help you take your specific function further or your department further? Let's partner on something and look for those ways to do that. Um, that may not exactly be explicitly written in a goal narrative somewhere. So one of the things I've experienced with exactly that scenario is when I'm finding those people to partner with, they become my sponsors, right? And and so having an executive or high, having a higher level sponsor helps your career to grow because when you're when you're looking to show that someone at that level trusts you and they they advocate for you, they speak well of you when you're not in the room and you reciprocate by going, hey, what are the problems you're trying to solve? Let me build for you. Let me do process. Let me, you know, let me design to solve some of your pain points. It's a very reciprocal relationship. And I find that some of the the greatest launches in my growth have been by almost accidentally finding those sponsors. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I, I don't know that it's an accident so much as if you're always willing to learn, right? You have an open mind, you're nimble and flexible. And we say those terms, we throw those terms around, but go out of your way to reach out to one of these SLT members. I think sometimes we're intimidated and maybe our companies have formal mentorship programs, but often, more often than not, legal ops is not part of that. 
And so we kind of have to force our way into that room to have a seat at the table. But we can do that organically. And we could do that by offering our services on a personal level. And that'll equate to a win that'll then showcase for everybody else, hey, legal ops does exist. This is all that they can do. So I think there are definite ways to do that organically too. That's right. That's right. When we talk about the investment in your future success, right, through your sponsorships, through your partnerships, through those collaborations, and those aren't just only at the current company that you're at, right? Like this is a small area. We're all kind of very closely knit. I think that's when you are able to not just go all hokey pokey in, right? But now that's when you're connecting the, I understand the industry, I understand the business, I've worked hard to form these partnerships and it's all about people. People is how we be able to, you know, quantify value, how we are able to, you know, have different ALSP, you know, solutions like Legal.io or as we highlighted earlier, I think you're, you're a prime example, right? You have seen the major mergers, right? To the tumultuous times and everything in between. And that is how you develop the full maturity model assessment, as your point. We know, we have that gut instinct that really allows us to do that. And and through having these adaptive, innovative solutions that look at resource alignment, ALSPs, understanding where the money is flowing, and then being able to get to know your business partners and come along the journey with them, that is how Sandy is going to be able to get her full buy-in and be the chief operating officer. So I know we're getting the red light here in the studio. We are about to wrap up time. So if you would, if you had to say one little, you know, quick little nugget and final advice for Sandy, what would you tell her to be able to get to standardizing OKRs and better aligning with her team's needs and expectations so that she can go from somewhat of a strategic thinker to being the chief operating officer of the legal department? One of the things I would say to her is start with sitting down, put your head down, get your pencil up and sit with a clock wheel. And actually it has the, you know, foundational, mature, advanced categories and really do, you know, a hard kind of gut check on where are you with these and then pull the data that you can you know, that is accessible and that's valuable because we talk about data all the time, but there are so many reports that are done that don't even need to be done because folks aren't looking at them. So what is the translation of the value in terms of data so that you're collecting meaningful data? Start with foundational competencies from the clock wheel and use that as a guide. Uh, One of the things I think you said, Tom, that I, I always, it's very cliche, but people are your greatest asset. And if you have a heart to take care of people whether the people on your team or the people that you serve in the capacity of your um, role, you're going to be okay. Beautiful. Yesenia, lighting us up. Tommy, do we have to go? Can we do this again? I am so sad that we have to go. This was such a, a bright and brilliant conversation that we had today. Not only did we help Sandy, I think, to really figure out how to get a seat at the table and really how to strategize and look for sponsors within the organization. I feel like just by listening to this episode, she's going to be lifted way, way up. And I'm excited to hear if she writes us back. Yes. Well, my New York ladies, until next time, thank you, Yesenia. Can you tell our guests how they can get in contact with you or anything else that you want to 
tell them about the wonderful world of Miss Santiago? Absolutely. I am open and happy to connect with anyone. Easiest way is via LinkedIn, Jesenia Santiago Egner, because you know, Spanish people like to keep it sharp with their names. <laughs> I got two as well. Oh, yeah. I have, that's yeah. not my Catholic use. name and my wait, communion wait, 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 name. Wait. And- do, do I need to get a second one? I'm you just do, saying. We already okay. know you have, you have a secret name. I know you have a secret name. So to both my Toms and my Tommies, yes. I, I yes. Uh, heart you. And uh, yes, please just keep me looped in for the next conversation. I just feel like we were scratching the surface, but we were good just stuff. starting. <laughs> so you're coming back for a part two Woo-hoo! for sure. Thank you guys for the privilege, the honor. And <laughs> I think I read something on LinkedIn today. One of our people was like, how many times can we use these words? <laughs> and I'm humbled <laughs> by the uh, humbled. Uh, humbled. humbled by the opportunity, by the opportunity. to announce that the new episode is coming out. That's right. And there you have it. The second episode of 2024 is already in the books. The year is already off to an innovative start. As we wrap up today's episode, it's impossible not to feel a profound sense of gratitude and inspiration for the road ahead of us. Today's episode was all about making your presence known and finding your place in your role. A drizzle of buckle up buttercup and a dash of going bold, not rogue are the perfect ingredients for your empowerment elixir. Yesenia graciously shared her thoughts on the power of the maturity assessment model and self-discovery in shaping one's career and left us with some real practical takeaways on where to get started and how to advocate for yourself. As Tom and I wrap this episode, let's carry forward the spirit of speaking up strategic thinking, and the power of personal development that Yesenia so beautifully exemplified. Let's tell our listener Sandy to remain committed to asking for what she needs in order to deliver on her promises. So House of DLO, remember, when your GC tags you as the COO of the department, you not only rise to the occasion, but you define what success looks like and you ask for the tools and empowerment to deliver like a boss. So keep crushing those opportunities and we will see you out there, Legal Ops Stars. For more Dear Legal Ops content, make sure to follow us on all social media using the handle at Dear Legal Ops. Have a tough Legal Ops topic you want us to tackle? Submit a letter and share your stories with us at DearLegalOps.com slash submit for a chance to be featured on the show. Like what you hear? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening. As always, I'm your host, Tom Stevenson, adding a splash of color to the lively landscape that is legal operations. And I'm Tommy Tavares Barrera, your voice of reason amidst the whirlwind of change, keeping it real and relatable. Dear Legal Ops is produced by Red Rock Music. Until next time.